Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. There was a very interesting story in the Irish Times today. It got figures from the Garda Síochána showing that just 71 fines have been given to motorists for dangerous overtaking of cyclists since legislation was introduced three years ago. You've probably seen all of these TV ads about the one and a half metre rule for overtaking a bicycle. How often is that really observed? Well, only 14 fines this year issued according to provisional Garda figures. So what does that mean for the safety of cyclists? What does it also mean about the efforts being made by the Garda to police the roads, particularly in city centre locations or suburbs where you would have heavy traffic? Is, are the Garda only out in the motorways looking for speeding cars at the revenue that can be brought in? Well, let's start with Kevin Jennings, who is the chairperson of the Galway Cycling Campaign. What do you make of this revelation that there have been such such a small number of fines for those who have been found guilty of dangerous overtaking of cyclists? Thanks for the opportunity to talk. Um, yeah, so there's only a few people um, who've been convicted and I suppose if you're on a bike you'd, you'd, you'd experience these close passes very, very frequently. So the numbers are a bit surprising. And I have to say, I mean, nobody really wants people to be penalised, especially our neighbours and things and motorists. We want behaviour change. But unfortunately, the way behaviour changes is with enforcement. Without the enforcement, behaviour won't change. And Kieran Cannon was on a few minutes ago talking about drink driving in my dad's generation. I have very fond memories of being in the pub and dad driving home. And nowadays, none of us would consider, you know, drinking and driving. The attitude's changed, but the attitude's only changed because of the enforcement. And similarly, like with the smoking ban and things like that, without the enforcement, the attitudes don't change. And unfortunately, many people in cars, and I drive myself, obviously, but the... um, Many people in cars don't experience what it's like, how, how, how terrifying it is when a car passes you very closely. And as a driver, you might feel you're fine, you're in control of your vehicle. But when you're outside the car, one little wobble and you're dead. And especially for the likes of me, would be trying to cycle with my young children. And now we tend to drive if we were unfortunately bus. I'd like to cycle with them. And just the, the fear, because people don't understand, they don't empathize with being on the bikes and how terrifying it is when a car passes you closely. Um, this, this puts us off. Cycling. Can, so, I, can I ask I Kevin what, I, age, yeah. what age are your children? And the reason I ask this is because yeah. my own are getting older now. Well, three of them are, four of them are adults, one still a teenager. But I dissuaded them from cycling because I was just too scared. And no matter how much they might have protested, I'm careful, I'm a good cyclist. And I'd say, yes, you are. But it's other people and their actions in the road that I was always scared about. Yeah, my, my eldest boy is 11, so they're 11, 9, 7 and 4, so the 4-year-old would still be with me. But the 11-year-old, you know, some of his friends are beginning to cycle to soccer training and stuff on their own. You know, he's at that age, I won't let him go. I'm just at the age where I let him walk on his own. And again, I'm terrified, you know, I have to make sure he'll cross the roads properly and things like that. So, I mean, I think it's awful that you have to do this, but I want them to have their independence. I want them to be healthy and I want them... You know, the benefits, I know it's terrifying, the idea of your child being mangled by a car or something like that, but the statistics show, and nobody thinks statistically, but the benefits of cycling, the health benefits, outweigh the risks of serious injury by 17 to 1. That's by UK actuaries. So the knock-on health benefits make it worthwhile in the long run. But, geez, you'd never forgive yourself, Matt, if that happened to your kids. I understand exactly where you're coming from. And, but, and, sorry, and Kevin, I say yeah. that as somebody who, as a child, as a teenager, cycled everywhere, every day. There was no other choice. It was cycling all the time. And yet still, I would be afraid to let my own children do it. I, I, I don't know what to say. I think it's sad because I think this is a choice we've made as a society. I don't think things have to be this way. 
I think some tough political decisions have to be made, but I don't think the inconvenience for motorists would be big. I think an awful lot of the trips we make, the short trips in the car, um, people would change, would use different modes of transport if we could, if we felt safe about it. And unfortunately, most of us who campaign for cycling, safety hasn't been the key issue up until now. It's been a kind of macho thing where bikes are equal to cars. We want to assert the same rights as everyone else. And safety was seen as something that wasn't to be focused on. Whereas nowadays, as there's more parents joining cycling advocacy groups, we see that safety is the key thing because it's not the people who are already cycling. You've kind of, you've a, you've, you've a biased sample there. If you take the people who are cycling with their kids, they're kind of experienced cycling. But there's loads of people who would cycle. And we saw it during lockdown. People got out on their bikes and enjoyed the bit of crack with their kids. And it doesn't mean they're always going to cycle. But, you know, if a few people cycled maybe just once a week, the knock-on effect to traffic and stuff would be great. But people will only do this if we feel safe. And that safety needs, um, it, it needs engineering solutions. It needs, uh, needs political will to change things. But I think as a society, we can we can rediscover that freedom that you enjoyed as a teenager, Matt, that I suppose I still try to relive when I go cycling. But I have to say, when you're cycling with young children, it, it's just not fun. So sometimes I go in the car, even though I'm safe with the kids on the bike, because I'm fed up shouting at them. I'm fed up saying, watch out, that car will open its door. Watch out for someone coming out of this driveway. You know, are you watching both ways? Anticipate something happening here, because they're only children. They don't see this. They don't even have a driving license. You know, they don't have that anticipation that experienced road users like us have. And, you know, sometimes it's just not worth it. Let's just get in the car and go. It's a nice car. So. <laughs> okay, I want to bring in Geraldine Herbert, who's the motoring editor of the Sunday Independent, because, Geraldine, I know you've been researching the increased number of road incidents that we've had this year. And certainly it would appear, even just out and about around Dublin in the last hour or so, that uh, traffic is way heavier in recent months than it has been for years. Yeah, well, we're certainly back at, at pre-pandemic levels, but I mean, unfortunately, our road deaths this year actually exceed um, exceed those levels. I think we're, we're looking at being up at, at figures close to 2016. So it really is appalling. And it, it is terrible as well that it all goes back to enforcement. I mean, we do know that drivers will only change their behaviour when there's a real risk of being caught. And I've spoke about this before in the past, but we saw that with the dramatic increase was re- that was recorded in the proportion of voters who were staying within the speed limit on the end on the stretch where they put in the new average uh, speed safety cameras. So that's a terrible indictment, you know, that we'll only stay within speed limits and we'll only obey the law when, we, you know, when there's a chance, a real chance of us being caught. Now, how, you've been also looking into what the, the hierarchy of road users in the UK and they've changed a thing there called the highway code. Tell us about that. Yes, so the highway code is their rules of the road, basically, and they introduced what they call um, a hierarchy of road users this year, and the, the, it goes in the following order. So number one is pedestrians, followed by cyclists. Then there's horse riders. Then there's motorcyclists. After that are cars and taxis. The next um, group are vans and minibuses, and then HGVs. And the idea is to highlight that those who can do the greatest harm have the greatest responsibility to reduce dangers to others. And it's a really good idea, Matt, because it just constantly forces to people where you are on that hierarchy and what your responsibility is and prior to this and basically all road users were on an equal footing and they were equally responsible for their own safety and that's obviously not the case i mean pedestrian versus car there's a it's a whole you know, imbalance and power there. So this is what this is about. And it's, as I said, it's been introduced into their, the equivalent of their rules of the road. Do we have anything like that here? 
We do in terms of urban design, but not in terms of the rules of the road. So it's not something when you're learning to drive that's enforced. And that's why I think this makes the difference, because while it's, it's blatantly obvious to people, you know, that pedestrians have to be protected, that cyclists are vulnerable, it's still something that needs to be, I think, actually just part of the, the way we, we educate our young drivers and part of our everyday driving, that we're constantly aware of that fact that if we are, the, you know, if we are somebody who has the greatest, you know, we, we bring the greatest danger, we have a greater responsibility. Mark and Galway says, my son was knocked off his bike by a car. The driver beeped at him and gave out to him and the guardies said they couldn't prove that he hit the child rather than the child hit the car, so couldn't do anything about it. Can you imagine knocking a child off a bike and you then giving out to the child about the situation? That's astounding. But I mean, the thing about it is, I wasn't surprised by those figures today, and I'm sure there were lots of people that weren't, and cyclists, as you said, weren't. Because people who cycle regularly will tell you that bad driving is something we tolerate in society. You know, it is something that is ingrained, and we really, really have to change that culture. We have a really, really bad attitude on the roads. Colin Mead says, just an observation, maybe if the cyclist paid road tax and the insurance to use the road like most of us have to, drivers may have to respect them more. Well, Carl, just an observation on that. Nobody pays road tax as such. You pay motor vehicle tax exactly. and insurance. And the other thing is most cyclists are drivers as well. So, I mean, like that, that's just, a, it's a nonsense. And it's constantly trotted out, that argument is. Another listener says, you think it's bad in Dublin? Try rural Ireland. I'd love to be able to cycle to and from the school with my three, ten, nine and seven. It's a three mile cycle. Cars passing at 80 kilometres per hour within one metre. That's before you take on all the jeeps, trailers, tractors, milk trucks. All it takes is one wobble and that regularly happens as the road surface is so bad. It's terrifying, says Anya. Back to you and this Kevin Jennings and I suppose you and I are about reminiscing about what it was like when we were children or teenagers but I suppose the reality as well is there weren't as many cars on the road 20 years ago or 40 years ago. That's very true, yes. Um, at the, um, the, the time when Michael Carruth won his gold medal in Barcelona, which I can remember, I think the number of cars has tripled in that time from between Michael Carruth and Katie Taylor. Now, Geraldine will probably have the facts there. And by the way, what Geraldine is saying is brilliant. I mean, that's just so important about the hierarchy of road users. But the number of cars has, let's say, at least doubled and the cars are getting bigger. And the you know, the, there's only so much space, but we're not using the space very well. It perhaps was easier to share back then. But, you know, Matt, I was, I was cycling home. I just remembered there with, um, with a few, with, with another family we met up and we cycled home last year and we cycled um, by Salt Hill, where the Salt Hill cycleway should have been. And we had four close passes in that stretch on the way home. Now, I had a camera running on the bike. I usually take pictures just for, um, you know, the, the nice things with the bike and the, the lovely scenery that we have here in Galway for cycling. It's a beautiful place to cycle. But those four close passes, and I said, I'll do nothing about it. And that weekend... Three people died on the same road. Three people died in three separate incidents. And the you know, that's three grieving families, okay? And it's further up the road. The road goes on to Connemara, but the, the stretch of those four overpasses. I said, look, I have to uh, do something about this. So I reported it to the Gardaí. I had the video evidence. That's the first thing, because if you don't have that, it's your word against theirs. And just unfortunately, I didn't get the same guard as it had previously been talking to. And sometimes the Gardaí just haven't experienced being on a bike or being vulnerable, I suppose, in general. And, you know, they might see these things as, you know, kind of, uh, you know, eccentric or something. And there's a lot of, um, oh, I don't know, you know, people are so dependent on a car that it would be such cruelty to take away somebody's right to drive. Whereas, in fact, as a motorist, I use the road on a license. You know, the roads are there for people to walk, I suppose, to use horses and to cycle. You know, these are public highways in some sense. 
I'm not saying go back to the, you know, the medieval times or something like that, but the roads are there for people and cars have been using them and the, the idea of the cars being guests or using them under license has been lost and without enforcement that won't come back. But the, the knock-on effect of this, some of this aggressive driving, this attitude, does lead to tragic consequences, to real consequences, to people in our community. And, you know, it, 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 it has to be nipped in the bud, Matt, because it's, it's just terrible and it's okay. so pointless. There's a lot of listeners... Um, who are defending the motorists against the cyclists. One says, since the start of this segment, I've witnessed three cyclists break red lights and one whip across a pedestrian crossing without looking. All of this on one stretch of road in Limerick. Another one says, as terrifying as a motorist when cyclists come up on the inside when you're turning left or at lights when they go through the red all the time. Uh, just to finish with you, Geraldine Herbert, in, are these legitimate complaints to be made by motorists? No, I, I think the problem is our cities are not set up for, for cyclists in the first place. I think often cyclists break red lights simply because they need to get out of the way fast from, from moving traffic and from dangerous drivers. But I think the thing to remember is if a cyclist goes through a red light, um, you know, they, they're, they're the ones putting themselves at risk. If a motorist goes through a red light, it's the, the consequences are much more detrimental. And any of the surveys that have been done, and there's been cameras put at various different lights, particularly in the city, and they've always found that it's motorists that break red lights much more frequently than cyclists. So again, that's another one of these you know, things that, that keeps being trotted out. Geraldine Herbert, motoring editor of the Sunday Independent and Kevin Jennings from the Galway Cycling Campaign. Thank you both for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today,